Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Phonication, the podcast dedicated to Shark Week. Well, for this episode, anyways. So, Shark Week is officially over, but I wanted to keep the steam going and provide you guys with some more fun shark stuff. Because who doesn't like sharks? Even people who are scared of sharks still think that sharks are awesome. And they're not wrong. So, I'm going to spend an absurd amount of time, I know this episode is super long, talking about how fucking cool sharks are. Before we start, though, quick little tidbit, I promise it won't be long. If you missed the mini episode, or the mini chode as I've uncreatively dubbed it, I mentioned that anyone who pledges to Phonication on Patreon gets a free t-shirt. They're super awesome, super soft, and created by one of my listeners. Thank you so much again to Jess. They turned out so fantastic. So if you want one of her amazing creations, subscribe on Patreon. If you want to see what they look like, I have pictures up on both Phonication's Instagram and Twitter, and also Facebook, and my own personal social media. I put it everywhere. <laughs> but. Back to the sharks. I know that's why you guys are really here. So let's start off broadly. What does it mean to be a shark? That's not an existential question. There are about 500 different existing species. Sharks are categorized as a group of elasmobranch fish. Yes, fish. They are fish. With a cartilaginous skeleton, gill slits, and pectoral fins that are not fused to the head. Modern sharks are very closely related to rays, and are grouped under a clade named Selachimorpha. Presuming I pronounced that correctly. (laughs) For non-modern sharks, the term sharks seems to be applied a little bit more loosely, as some other subclasses are called sharks, including the holocephalid eugenodontodons, which is an extinct shark that has a spiral fucking jaw lined with teeth. Seriously, that is a real thing. I'll upload photos. And honestly, no wonder they went extinct. How would the logistics of a spiral jaw even work? That makes no sense. That's just mother nature drunk looking at a kid's fantasy drawing and being like, fuck it, have it, I'll make it for you, whatever you want. It's just, it's it's stupid. I mean, there's fossils proving it existed, but it's one of those times where I think that people who believe that fossils were planted by the devil might be onto something. But speaking of extinct sharks, let's talk about everyone's favorite, the Meg. Nah, that's a movie. (laughs) The Megalodon. And before you shit on me, yeah, it's fucking extinct. Jason Statham is really cool, but that was just a movie. It's definitely dead. (laughs) Fun fact about Megalodon fossils, though. Its tooth is the state fossil of North Carolina. Didn't even know that was a thing. I knew about, like, state birds and state plants, but didn't know that each state had an official state fossil. Let's set the stage. The Megalodon lived about 23 to 3.6 million years ago. They survived for a good long while during the Miocene and the Pliocene periods. They are the largest known shark to have ever existed, which is probably why their name means big tooth. They have big teeth. It's not a creative leap. (laughs) Although, the biggest shark title is currently contested by a bunch of non-experts who believe there is a giant black demon shark terrorizing Baja, California. Now, don't get me wrong, there are so many species yet to be discovered, and there's a lot that we don't know about our oceans yet. It's insane. But there's no actual evidence to support that this shark exists, so it's a lot more like saying that Bigfoot totally exists because you can't prove that he doesn't. It's a complete reversal of the burden of proof. So let's go back to the real giant shark, 
the Megalodon. Estimates put the shark at a maximum of 59 feet, or 18 meters long, with an average length of 34 feet, or 10 and a half meters. If those numbers don't mean anything to you, they were close to the size of the modern humpback whale, or three-fourths the size of a blue whale. <laughs> Actually, not a lot of people hang out with whales. They were about the length of a bowling lane, <laughs> which means they were fucking big, dude. And they also lived the majority of the world. Well, I mean, the majority of the water parts of the world, pretty sure they couldn't get on land. The megalodon most likely got so unreasonably big because while plate tectonics were moving and creating mountain ranges around this time, it ended up squirting out a bunch of sediments with nutrients into the oceans, which algae and other ocean flora used to become super productive. And, you know, the flora grew a lot inside the ocean. And that led to more food for the animals that fed on the plants. And so then those animals got big. And then up the whole chain of prey and predators, they grew proportionally as well. Although, side note, the whales didn't get as big as today's blue whale. They were actually very small compared to today's whales. We'll talk about that in a minute. So, the megalodon grew to keep up with the growth of its prey, and it grew insanely fast. Eventually, it got to the point that newborn megalodons were half the size of the modern great white, and then grew to their full size twice as quickly as their ancestors. And being such a large predator, they fed on proportionately large meals, like whales. <laughs> This shark was so fucking big that it hunted whales. And unlike great whites who tend to go for the softer underside of its prey, scientists believe that the megalodon used its insanely strong jaws to crush the chest cavity and puncture the heart and lungs. Fucking metal. But it probably did actually hunt from below like the modern great white. Because being fucking massive isn't enough. It also wanted the element of surprise. Like... <laughs> Dude, pick a gimmick and stick with it. You can't have it all. But the megalodon was at the top of its game for millions of years, hunting whales with no competitors, total monopoly on the whale hunting game, until it eventually went extinct. So let's talk about the conditions that caused the ocean's top apex predator to go extinct with seemingly nothing stopping it, because I've deliberately hidden a few details that I can mention it now instead. <laughs> for starters, 3.6 million years ago, when the megalodon went extinct, was also the same time that the ocean started cooling because the ice ages had started. Since the megalodon was a shark that preferred warmer waters over glaciers, that obviously led to a decline in their numbers. It also would have impacted their food sources, which further impacts megalodon numbers. Now, evidence indicates that the megalodon did have the ability to kind of regulate its own temperature and could have gone into colder climates, but obviously would have had an impact and added on to other variables that I'm about to mention, you'll see why. As I said earlier, there wasn't a whole lot of competition for food for a very long time, but then evolution happened and some other predators popped up on the scene to take their piece of whale pie. There was a giant predatory toothed sperm whale and other species of carnivorous whales. There was actually a lot of carnivorous whales back then. And of course, the ancestor of the modern great white shark, who was a big fan of the exact same food that the megalodon preferred. And then, honestly, only a few million years later, the modern great white popped up. <laughs> like, yeah, they're that old that I'm talking about them living millions of years ago. So originally, the megalodon's size was a huge advantage because it made them formidable against their prey and opened up access to new prey with no adversaries. But against this new competition, it leaves them slow and bulky and unwieldy. These new sharks were going after the same prey, 
but were much faster than them and started killing prey before they could get a chance to go for it. And they also needed more food than the great white due to their size, you know, they need more calories. And just to add on to it, ocean environments caused their food sources to start running out. Whale numbers decreased by about a third of all the species due to a sharp decrease in organisms like krill and diatoms. All of these things added up led to an environment where the megalodon just didn't make the cut anymore. But their extinction, as tragic as any extinction is, did have an accidental benefit to whales. Sometime after the megalodon had already gone extinct, the colder waters ended up increasing ecological productivity around the poles, so diatome and krill numbers exploded. So food sources for the whales led to exactly what we talked about earlier, massive growth in size for marine mammals. Whales grew larger and larger and relatively quickly outgrew the small great white or the toothed sperm whales. They became the type of prey that now only a megalodon size could go after, but they were already extinct. So they thrived in an environment where they had no predators and they exploded to the size of the modern blue whale, which is why the largest animal that ever lived is a relatively modern one of only 2 million years old, rather than like a dinosaur like I would have expected. Cool news though, researchers discovered a 10 million year old megalodon nursery in Panama, which is a pretty substantial find for paleontologists as well as just being super neat. So now that the megalodon is extinct, let's talk about the bad bitch that helped it along, most people's favorite shark, the formidable great white. While significantly smaller than the megalodon, she is a massive specimen by today's standards, with the largest females going up to 20 feet, and they also live upwards of 70 years. By the way, that is three times as tall as Andre the Giant, per the standard measurement unit of Andre the Giant. And I say female because in sharks, females tend to be larger than males. They require more uh, girth to carry their young. Like the megalodon, the great white is also an apex predator. That means tippy top of the food chain, not preyed upon by anyone else. Except apparently on rare occasions, the killer whale has been observed killing great whites. In 1997, tourists trying to do some wholesome whale watching with a family ended up watching two orcas kill a great white and then eat its liver. Just the liver though, like some sort of weird ritualistic serial killer. Probably because livers are high in fat and therefore super yummy. And it's also 600 pounds of meat, so it's not exactly a light snack. <laughs> Researchers believed that this was a fluke until 2017, when five great whites were discovered beached in South Africa, just torn apart with their livers eaten. It's now believed that orcas were responsible for the murders. <laughs> I'm turning into a murder podcast now, oh my god. <laughs> so, we will see if great whites will remain to be called apex predators. The great whites have decided not to find out and tend to flee the scene when orcas are nearby. Hopefully that makes them seem less monsterish. And I mean, I feel like great whites are super smart. They adapt really well despite having a brain the size of a human thumb. Ah shit, that's another shark myth. Great white brains are two feet. <laughs> but for real, when orcas are near their prey, they nope the fuck out of there. When they hunt elephant seals, they go for the butt because it's the main source of mobility, and then they wait for them to bleed out. When they hunt harbor seals, they attack them at the surface. For California seals, they hunt from below and attack them mid-body. For dolphins and porpoises, they figured out to attack where there's no echolocation. They've got the prey stats on lock. Unfortunately, opportunities to gaze upon the magnificence of the great white are pretty rare. You have to view them in their natural habitat, hopefully not being fucked up by some orcas. 
They're basically impossible to keep in captivity, so no aquariums in the world have any. But not for lack of trying. Aquariums and institutions like SeaWorld have wanted to have one on display for a very, very long time. Because yeah, that would be fucking awesome to see a great white just swimming about in a huge tank. But while most other species of shark are able to adapt to aquarium life pretty seamlessly, the longest a great white shark lasted in captivity was 198 days. But normally, they lasted less than a week. Great whites are accustomed to traveling at high speeds over long distances, so many times they ended up accidentally crashing into the walls inside the aquarium and injuring themselves. And some adjusted by just not swimming at all. But the great white is one of the many shark species that requires water constantly flowing over its gills to breathe. So those sharks ended up suffocating. Side note though, not all shark species need to be constantly moving to breathe. Some have actually evolved to basically push water through their gills using their mouths. So anyways, it looks like right now there's no logistical or definitely no ethical way to keep great whites in captivity. Which is good, you know? Leave them the fuck alone. Their numbers are pretty poor. They're actually considered protected in a lot of places. And actually, in California, one asshole illegally shot and killed a great white, and he was slapped with a criminal conviction for it. As he deserves. He literally shot it because it was annoying him by swimming near other fish. Didn't do anything to him, didn't do anything to his fish, just existed near him. Alright, now we're going to move on to my favorite shark, because, well, this is my podcast. (laughs) Anyone have any guesses? Probably not, because this is pre-recorded, and we can't interact in real time. Maybe I should stream an episode sometime. Anyways, I'll answer my own question. It's the whale shark. It's, without bias, one of the most awesome, beautiful animals on the planet, and I am heartbroken that I haven't seen one in person yet. At an average size of 32 feet, the whale shark is the largest species of shark alive, as well as the largest living fish, because sharks are fish. (laughs) But, despite its massive size, It is a sweet, gentle baby and poses zero threat to humans. Or realistically, most animals. Whale sharks are one of three shark species of filter feeders. So their food source is going to be shit like um, krill, fish eggs, larvae. And actually, their throat is the size of your fist, so you can't fit in it anyways. I mean, honestly, in order for a human to be injured by a whale shark, some kind of weird final destination type stuff would have to happen. and they're completely unbothered by human presence. Some juveniles will even attempt to play with humans, which is why diving with whale sharks is such a popular activity. And there are ways to do that ethically, by the way, as long as you do your research, so it's not something that you have to strike from your bucket list if you care about the environment. And considering that whale sharks swim at about 3 miles an hour and the average human can go up to 2 miles an hour, they're not about to run away from you. (laughs) The only thing whale sharks seem to mind about humans is if you get too close to their bellies. Researchers believe that they have sensitive bellies and don't like the feeling of bubbles or human touch there. And they've been observed turning their bellies away from humans. So, no belly scratches and you're in the clear. But, by the way, it's also possible, according to biologists in La Paz, that whale sharks don't like it because they associate bubbles from diving gear to bubbles from dolphins. This is because whale sharks are members of the I Hate Dolphins Club, along with literally every single marine mammal in the fucking world. Dolphins have been observed speeding towards the whale sharks from below, headbutting them in the belly, and then running away like a douchey prank. <laughs> possibly as a game, possibly trying to push whale sharks out of their territory, but definitely because they're just massive assholes. Like, don't get me wrong, I like dolphins. They're cool and super smart and everything, but they're still just huge, gaping buttholes. 
By the way, the other two species of filter feeders are the basking shark and the megamouth shark, both of which are also just absolutely huge. The basking shark is the second largest living shark, but definitely the scariest looking. It's, uh, it's creepy. Anyways, because the whale shark is a filter feeder, it doesn't really need teeth. But you know what? Fuck it. Nature gave it some anyways. Where most sharks have up to 30 rows of teeth, which is already fucking wild, the whale shark has 300 rows, which adds up to 3,000 fucking teeth. Basically, the entire inside of their mouth is just lined with teeth. That feels obscene. But there's a species of shrimp called the Podocerus jinbi, which safely calls it home. <laughs> I don't get it. But if you think that means I was lying about them being completely safe, each tooth is the size of a match head, so not super dangerous. But let's go ahead and make it more obscene. <laughs> Whale sharks have dermal denticles, which is a sciencey way of saying they have tiny teeth on their eyeballs. It's supposedly for protection, but I think it's for bragging rights. Although that's actually something universal. All sharks have dermal denticles all over their body, which is why their skin is so rough and so tough. But whale sharks are the only species I could find with them on their actual eyeballs. Much like the megalodon, whale sharks grow up super fast. A newborn pup, which are birth lie by the way, took just 68 days to grow from 11.7 pounds to 333 pounds. The growth spurt my brother wishes he had in freshman year, honestly. And researchers don't have a definitive answer on how long these big babies live. At the very least, they can live up to 70 years old. At the most, I pretend they're immortal because I love them and don't ever want them to die. Also characteristic for these sharks, whale sharks seem to spend more than half of their time within 100 feet of the surface. A team led by biologist S.G. Wilson tagged some to get the information, but during their study, they also found something a little weird. Even though they hang out near exclusively at the surface, sometimes they get a wild bug up their ass and do a random deep sea dive. One of the tagged sharks in that study did an uninterrupted dive for 12 hours at 3,200 feet. No idea why. But honestly, if I was a wild animal, I would do it purely to fuck with biologists. But that's the chaotic neutral in me. <laughs> There's another instance where sharks have been observed diving though. Last year, the first ever recording of whale shark sex was shot by a tour pilot. Well, I mean, sort of. The first ever attempted mating was shot. <laughs> a male was observed basically peacocking for a juvenile female, you know, swimming in zigzag patterns and diving erratically, basically showing off his sweet, sweet swimming skills. But the female was busy feeding and straight up did not notice him, <laughs> which has been me at many a bar. <laughs> and then he stopped flirting and got straight to the point when he attempted to latch onto her with his claspers, which are essentially two super flexible penises. She naturally got super offended at some dude just whipping his dick out, and she rejected him. Especially considering she was a juvenile, so dude bro was a creepy pedophile anyways. Science doesn't know a whole lot about whale science reproduction, but they do know that whale sharks have the largest egg of any animal, terrestrial or aquatic. Shark eggs are frequently referred to as mermaid purses due to their distinctly un-egg-like appearance. And a female whale shark who was pregnant with around 300 pups gave further insight into whale shark reproduction. And it's currently believed that the mother doesn't birth all the pups at once, but she keeps the sperm from a single mating session and uses it to steadily give birth to a stream of pups over time. Something else that's weird? NASA comes into play when you talk about whale sharks. <laughs> no, there's no whales in space, but yes, I do recommend the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Anyways, 
NASA scientists created something called the Groth algorithm, which is used to identify patterns. NASA uses it to recognize clusters of stars, because looking at billions of near-identical white dots can get pretty tedious to humans. Hey, you know what else aside from space is covered in tiny white dots? Boom, whale sharks. Each whale shark has a completely unique pattern of spots on its back, and biologists have utilized that very same algorithm to track whale sharks. Combining two of my favorite subjects, space and animals, together, harmoniously. All right, everybody, let's bust some shark myths. You've probably heard that sharks can't swim backwards. That one's true, actually. Shark fins don't really allow for that kind of mobility, but also moving backwards would have the ability to kill them, literally. They breathe when water passes over their gills as they move forward. So moving backwards would have the water going in the wrong direction into their gills and would essentially be like you inhaling water. Next myth. Do sharks hiss or roar like you see in every single movie with sharks? Absolutely fucking not. Sharks don't make noise. Fuck out of here. Anyways, lots of people have heard that sharks don't get cancer. This is false. But it has not stopped practitioners of traditional Chinese medicine from touting sharks as a miracle cancer cure and illegally fishing them. But the first instance of malignancy in a shark was discovered in 1908. In total, scientists have recorded instances of cancer in 23 separate shark species. So the belief that sharks don't get cancer is most likely due to the small amount of clinical evidence that cartilage has anti-angiogenic properties. That means that it inhibits the development of blood vessels, crucial to the development of cancerous tumors. Since sharks have skeletons made of cartilage, some asshole made the leap that sharks totally 100% don't get cancer for real, man. <sighs> Anyways. Another myth I've heard among surfers is that if there's dolphins, there's no sharks, and that is false. <laughs> While they're not exactly buddies, because remember, dolphins are assholes, a lot of times their food sources overlap, so it's not wildly uncommon to see them hanging out in the same feeding areas. All right, time for some rapid fire cool shark facts. Here we go. Number one, sharks have survived five major extinction events, including one that dwindled human numbers down to double digits. <laughs> also, Sharks have been discovered living inside an active volcano. Sturdy motherfuckers. They don't give a shit about the temperatures, the increased acidity, the fact that it's a fucking volcano. They just saw a piece of unclaimed real estate and plop their happy asses down. Just a bunch of hammerheads, silky sharks, even a stingray hanging out, being roommates. It's great. Next, there's an aptly named cookie cutter shark who bites a circle into their victim and then begins feeding. It's not considered very dangerous to humans, but I imagine that would hurt like a bitch. There's a cute little tiny shark species that can fit into your hand called pocket sharks, because of course. <laughs> They're incredibly rare. Only two individual sharks have ever been collected, but I want one as a pet because it looks like a tiny little sperm whale that could fit inside a fish tank. But the shark isn't named pocket because it fits in your pocket. It's because they have a pocket on their bodies. Also, the two individuals captured were weirdly different from each other. A female was caught in 1979, but the male, captured in 2010, had 10 fewer vertebrae, a pit organ on its jaw, and light-producing organs on its stomach and back. So somehow they're the same species, and I can't tell you any differently because I'm not a sharkologist. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. That's kind of sketch to me. <laughs> All right, next. Hammerhead pups are born with soft heads so they don't fuck up their mom when they're being birthed. Which is great. There's too many stories on my podcast of just really shitty births. 
Also, sharks have the ability to sense electrical fields in nearby animals, and the hammerhead is actually the best at it. They also have 360-degree vision due to their weird head, and that would all add up to a pretty scary predator if they weren't shy around humans and scared of bubbles. <laughs> like, for real. Divers actually have to wear a special breathing apparatus that doesn't produce bubbles around hammerheads. In 2015, Professor John Long of Flinders University discovered a bony shark jaw. Do you remember how I said that shark skeletons are made of cartilage? This one was made of bone. So this actually suggests that some species of ancient sharks actually had bones and then later evolved to have skeletons made of cartilage instead. So I thought that was pretty neat. Sharks existed 20 million years before dinosaurs. And realistically, they haven't changed as much as most animals. I mean, if something's perfect, don't change it. Tiger sharks are just <laughs> junkyards, honestly. They will indiscriminately eat anything. Just to name a few things they've eaten a la carte, there's tires, bottles of wine, coal, a whole chicken coop, and the corresponding chickens, deer antlers, hyenas somehow, a video camera, a fucking cannonball. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Whatever your eating habits, it's better than tiger sharks. <laughs> The bull shark can live in both salt and fresh water. And the glyphus sharks, which consist of five species, live exclusively in fresh water. Every other known shark species lives in salt water. Also weird about bull sharks, their eggs are spiral shaped and they look like um, a twisted leaf or like a weird pine cone. It's really strange. The smallest known shark is the dwarf lantern shark at 7.9 inches or 20 centimeters. They're also bioluminescent. East Coast Native Americans have used great white shark teeth as arrowheads. Also, Donald Trump has confirmed in a literal press conference that he is afraid of sharks and will not undertake initiatives to save sharks. In some shark species, embryos participate in oophagy, which is when the embryos eat the mother's unfertilized eggs. Other species participate in embryophagy, which is a scientific word for cannibalizing your siblings. In a large majority of shark species, the males will bite the female so they can hold on to her during mating. So those dermal denticles I mentioned earlier are definitely useful, but the females do frequently end up with some pretty gnarly wounds. When upside down, many species of shark go into a state called tonic immobility, where they're unable to move and basically go into a trance. If left alone, they can actually snap themselves out of it and resume their normal position in about 15 minutes without any negative repercussions. But orcas again, have been observed using it to their advantage, holding them upside down to induce tonic immobility, and then using their vulnerable state to suffocate them. The epaulette shark is able to walk out of water. <laughs> they usually walk in between tide pools, but this feels like the beginning of human evolution. So maybe in another 400 million years, we'll have shark humans. How dope would that be? I wish I could see it. It would be so cool to live that long. No, it wouldn't. The mako sharks, being the most generic shark-looking sharks, are named for the Maori word for shark. So, it's the shark shark. That reminds me though, I had a dream like a week or so ago where I was with a um, scientific military team that was hunting a massive poisonous shark that was terrorizing the whole eastern seaboard. And it was named the Akula shark. Akula is the Russian word for shark. So once again, the shark shark. <laughs> I don't know how the dream ended though, because when it came time for me to actually attack the shark, I think my brain remembered that I don't like hurting animals and switched dreams. <laughs> so all of a sudden I was stealing shitty silverware from a cafeteria. 
<laughs> Last factoid. Build-A-Bear teamed up with the Discovery Channel to have a line of Shark Week stuffed animals this year, and I think they might still be available, so you should go get one. Alright guys, let's talk about the elephant seal in the room. Shark attack numbers. Contrary to what Hollywood and Shark Week would have you believe, the Great White is not an evil, human-hating, revenge-driven monster, despite making an excellent villain in movies. While shark attacks are obviously not unheard of, sharks don't think you're a snack. Most shark attacks occur on limbs and are rarely fatal. Generally, what you're going to see is a shark behaving a lot like a toddler, sticking something in its mouth, realizing it doesn't like it, and spitting it out. There's actually evidence to support that some shark species have teeth with mecha-sensory structures, which is something akin to like a, a touching sensation. So that's why they're sticking you in their mouths. They're figuring out what you are and they figure out that they don't like you. <laughs> Research has additionally shown that sharks respond strongly to the smell of fish and seals, which makes sense, but not to the scent of humans. They literally just don't think you taste good, which I'm like weirdly offended by, if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> like I try to smell good and this shark's just gonna shit on me, come on. <laughs> so there has been an overarching uptick in shark attack numbers around the world, which sounds really scary until you look at some of the variables. For example, Australia had 120 attacks from 2000 to 2009, which is a significantly higher number than any other decade since 1900. Which sounds bad. That sounds really bad. But it coincides with things like a boom in human population. We have a significantly higher human population than we did in 1900, and a change in human lifestyle. We have more people on the beach, surfing, swimming, water skiing, boating, scuba diving, and generally putting themselves in the danger zone for sharks. So how significant is that number? Well, when you change the number to amount of cases per million, we're actually pretty equal to 1900, which by the way, was a start of a massive incline up through the end of 1930s, which saw a much higher amount of shark attacks per capita. So looking at the big picture, we're actually in the middle of a decline in shark attacks, despite having a higher number of people putting themselves at risk. But disregarding the actual odds of people getting hurt by sharks completely, places like South Africa and Australia have adopted a super shitty policy of shark culling that has not quite been ended yet. Basically, what they did was bait a bunch of large sharks and kill them in mass numbers. And the targeted sharks were all in some form of endangered status. And if that's not shitty enough, there's no way for their nets or drumlines to discriminate against species. So not only are they deliberately killing sharks, they're also accidentally killing sea turtles, dolphins, whales, manta rays, dugongs, countless fish. And it doesn't even help that much. Experts have stated that there is no evidence to support that these traps reduced shark attacks. For example, of the shark attacks that occurred in New South Wales since the implementation of shark culling, 65% happened at netted beaches. So yeah, clearly not fucking helping. Add this number to the 50 million sharks accidentally killed every year from commercial fishermen and the 100 million sharks killed in order to make shark fin soup, and it's no wonder shark numbers are so piss poor. And those numbers are a conservative estimate. At a minimum, 25% of species are threatened with extinction, but the conservation status of a further 35% are not known yet so it could be as high as 60% of shark species. Does that piss you off? Because it pisses me off. A lot. Which is why I've decided all of my Patreon proceeds or donations for a month will be going to charities to help protect sharks. 
I'll also be posting proof on there, of course, as I did for the bath donation I did last time. And I'll also be posting on social media some links you can head to to help out. If you can't contribute financially, that's okay. There's petitions you can sign. There's information you can spread. You can go ahead and never, ever, ever eat shark fin soup ever, nor support restaurants that offer it. All right, well, that concludes this episode. I know it's a long one, so if you stuck through to the end, I am so, so thankful for you, and I appreciate you. Don't forget to check out Phonication on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I like to upload weird shit. Also, if you like the podcast and would like to help support it, please leave a review on iTunes. It really does help a lot. If you really like this podcast, please consider becoming a pledge on our Patreon. All donations are used to directly support my ability to make this podcast for you guys, except the times when I send all of that money to incredibly deserving charities instead. So if you pledge, you get a t-shirt, you get stickers, your money goes to charities for sharks. I get a warm fuzzy, you get a warm fuzzy, everything's great. All right, well, I'll be back next hump day with another episode for you guys. Bye.